Tuesday morning to you, Oregon. I'm Finn J.D. John, FJ at OffbeatOregon.com, and this is the Daily Offbeat Oregon Podcast. Since it is Tuesday, this is an archive show, first published as a newspaper column and podcast episode several years ago. Thanks for downloading, and I sure hope you enjoy it. Charles Bolton was a man with many friends a charming, gentlemanly member of the social elite in the brand-new frontier town of San Francisco. He always had plenty of money, and if you asked him, he'd tell you he was the owner and manager of some mining concerns up in the Sierra Nevadas, up near the Oregon border. If you pressed for more details, he'd talk vaguely and change the subject, like a successful fisherman trying not to divulge the location of his favorite fishing hole. That was nothing unusual. Plenty of successful mine operators were similarly cagey. It also didn't raise eyebrows when Bolton left San Francisco for extended trips into the mountains, ranging in time from a few days to several weeks. Other mine owners did the same thing, going off to inspect their mining operations, making sure they weren't being stolen from, and maybe doing a little strategic prospecting, too, or inspecting mines for possible purchase. But Bolton was different. When he went off into the mountains, he didn't bring a pick and a gold pan. He brought a heavy axe and a shotgun. Charles Bolton was a stagecoach robber. In fact, he was, by some measure, the most successful stagecoach robber in history. His string of robberies lasted for over eight years, from July 1875 to November 1883. Once safely out of sight from the city, Bolton would take off his gentlemanly attire and put on crude, homespun clothes and a stained-up linen duster. Like Lamont Cranston stepping out as the shadow, Charles Bolton would transform into Black Bart, outlaw terror of the Oregon-California-Wells Fargo stagecoach line. Black Bart, he took the name from a villain of a popular dime novel at the time, would promptly head for a rugged, wild place like the Siskiyou Mountains on the border between Oregon and California, moving quickly and quietly through the wilderness on foot. This was a major reason for his success. He was a master woodsman. Also, he knew that if he rode a horse or took a stagecoach, people would see him and possibly remember him afterwards. Black Bart moved across the landscape like a fox, avoiding people and often traveling by moonlight. His goal was to get to a spot where the stagecoach was most vulnerable, a steep, rocky incline overlooked by close trees and underbrush. The reason Black Bart liked the Siskiyous so much was that kind of terrain was common along the stage routes there. After carefully scouting the stage road, Black Bart would carefully arrange some sticks to look like rifle barrels aimed at the road and then pull a flour sack over his head with eye holes cut in it so that he could see and hide behind a bush with his shotgun and wait for the stage to come. When it did, he'd step out into the road and with exquisite courtesy ask if the driver would be so kind as to throw down the Wells Fargo strongbox and the mail sacks. Over the years, that courtesy became a Black Bart hallmark. He always said please and thank you. He made a point of never bothering passengers. Several times when frightened passengers tried to surrender their booty to him, he handed it back to them with urbane smoothness. Quote, It is Wells Fargo that I am robbing, not the passengers of this stage, he told one woman as he handed her purse back to her. Black Bart also became known as a poet, although not a very good one. At several of his robberies, he left notes including bits of doggerel. Here's one. 
I've labored long and hard for bread, for honor and for riches, but on my corns too long you've tread, you fine-haired sons of bitches. Now the express box, or the strong box, was where the action was, that and the mail sacks. Most stagecoach robbers robbed the passengers as well, but a key part of Black Bart's success was that he never did that. Passengers, after all, were usually armed, and the last thing Bart wanted was a running gunfight. Once the box and the mail sacks were on the ground by the stage, Black Bart would motion the driver to move on, and then he'd get his axe out and break open the express box, take whatever was inside, and be on his way, moving usually at top speed on foot through the densest possible brush for 12 to 24 hours, and leaving any trackers far behind, scratching their heads and wondering how he did it. Oregon was farther away from Black Bart's home base, but he made some of his most lucrative hauls from stages robbed on the Beaver State side of the pass. That's because they were heading south, toward the gold fields instead of away from them, and therefore most stage robbers figured they wouldn't have any gold aboard. They were so seldom robbed that it didn't make sense to guard them heavily. But one key part of Black Bart's success was that he specifically targeted stagecoaches that would be carrying money rather than gold. As an old miner himself, he'd been in on the gold rush in 1850, Black Bart knew raw gold was dangerous. At least, stolen raw gold was dangerous. A good assayer could look at it and tell you what part of gold country it came from, and a stranger bringing in a big haul of gold from different regions would raise suspicions. Plus, it was always well guarded by men who expected robbery attempts, meaning that it was a lot more likely that Bart would have to kill somebody, which he took considerable pains on more than one occasion to not do. He also depended on stage drivers to cooperate with him, knowing his reputation as an easy robber. With Bart, you threw down the strong box and you were on your way. Everybody knew this, and few drivers were willing to risk the wrath of his shotgun knowing that was all he wanted. As time went by, Wells Fargo started chaining or bolting the express box to the coaches. This resulted in Black Bart having to climb up onto the stagecoach with shotgun and axe and batter his way into it, an activity that surely gave more than one driver a chance to get the drop on him, but that didn't happen until that November day in 1883 when an armed rider came upon the stagecoach as Bart was trying to get into the box. The driver hastily borrowed the rider's pistol and sent a bullet singing past Bart, who leaped from the stage and disappeared into the underbrush. Unfortunately for Bart, he left behind a bloody handkerchief. He'd cut his hand on the axe while attacking the box with it. The handkerchief had a laundry mark, and Wells Fargo detectives lost little time in making the rounds of every laundry in San Francisco asking whose it might be. Eventually, the trail led the detectives to Charles Bolton. Asked if he was the notorious Black Bart, Bolton tried to bluff his way out with a haughty, Sir, I am a gentleman. Alas, once detectives started looking closely at his financials, it was all over for Bolton, whose real name, it turned out, was Charles Bowles. Bowles drew an eight-year sentence for his crime. He was released in January 1888 and promptly disappeared. There are rumors that he tried to rob a stage in Nevada later that year and was shot dead, but nobody really knows. The story was first published on January 26th of 2014 under the headline, Charming Gentleman by Day, Highway Robber by Night. Key sources included works by Jim Yuskovich, George Hoper, and the website blackbart.com. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is part of Offbeat Oregon History, a public history resource for the state we love. More info is at our hub page at offbeatoregon.com. 
Offbeat Oregon is a division of Pulp Lit Productions, a boutique publishing house about which more can be learned at pulp-lit.com. Speaking of which, if you enjoy listening to me, you might check out some of my audiobooks. You can find them most easily with a search for my name on audible.com. Most of them are old pulp stuff, H.P. Lovecraft, Edgar Rice Burroughs, etc., but at least two of them are Offbeat Oregon history type stuff. Check them out if you're so inclined. This podcast is covered under a Creative Commons license. For details, see offbeatoregon.com slash cc. Our theme music is by the Atlas String Band and was written by Carmen Ficara. Listen and download more at atlasstringband.com. Questions, critiques, ideas for a future episode? Email me at fj at offbeatoregon.com. Episodes of Offbeat Organ History are uploaded around 6 a.m. every weekday, so the next one will be on your device and ready to go before you know it. Until then, go out and fill up the rest of the day with good stuff. Bye now. Bye now.